the Workforce Connections Podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the WC Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, our newest chancellor of higher education for the state of Nevada, the Nevada System of Higher Education, my friend, Dale Arquiaga. Dale, welcome. Thanks, Emmy. It's nice to be here. It's great to have you here on the podcast. I know we've had already a series of meetings with you for business, with our partners at the Chambers, and um, I really believe uh, you're going to do, you're going to leave us just with another significant you know, contribution. We're going to talk today about uh, the many you have already here for our state. So, so Dale, first, congratulations on the Thank role. Uh, I, I know it's uh, an acting chancellor. Uh, I'm assuming uh, that you have hit the ground running because I know you. And uh, But tell us a little bit about how these first uh, few weeks have been sure. in this role for you. I'm happy to do so. And thanks again for having me. So for your listeners and viewers, a little background on the job. Um, the chancellor of the higher education system reports to an elected board of regents. So I have 13 bosses um, who you, the voters, elected. They represent districts across the state. And I was appointed acting chancellor at the board's June meeting, and I started this job on July 1st. So wow. I'm in almost two months at this wow. point. Uh, and um, I think that probably the the easiest way to describe this job, the chancellor serves as CEO of the system. I coordinate policy for an elected board through eight institutional presidents. So if you think about UNLV, College of Southern Nevada, Nevada State College, UNR, all of our institutions, each has a president who runs that entity. So my job is somewhere in between. I support the presidents and I implement on behalf of the board. The board is head of system. My job is to coordinate and so really the first part of my job has been to get to understand that system. I'm new to higher education. I spent several years in the K-12 system and many years in state government. But higher education is a little different posting for me. So I'm learning all the acronyms and learning all about our institutions. Um, for your listeners and viewers, there are about 105,000 students in our state served by our colleges and universities and we have about 15,000 employees in the Nevada system of higher education. So it's a pretty large operation. Part of the job is, so far has been learning all of those um, uh, inner workings of, of the system. But I think most importantly, the board will soon approve a budgetary request, which will be submitted to Governor Sisolak for his review. And that really has been consuming the most of my time as I get ready for a legislative session. Um, in she and its institutions, like most Nevada families, suffered budget cuts during the pandemic. And um, our monies um, have not been able to be restored. And we're very hopeful as we get ready for the next legislative session that we'll be able to demonstrate why investing in students, those 105,000 students, um, is really critical for the workforce and economic development future of our state. So that's what's kept me busy so far. Yeah, uh, justifiably so. I think you have still... Um, that legislative session that comes ahead, you're going to get to apply your your lengthy experience <laughs> in legislative sessions uh, on behalf of our system of higher education. And the uh, in the little time that we've had to update you since we've worked together in your previous roles, I shared how we've partnered with our chambers of commerce, also with our regional development agency, which is the LVGVA, LVGA the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, and really uh, starting, if you will from the demand side. So we've uh, updated our workforce blueprint, which highlights mm -hmm. our seven target industry sectors for our region here for Southern Nevada. And uh, we've also started to launch industry sector partnerships for the very first time. Mm -hmm. I know that you you know this, uh, we have really, for the first time regionally, along with some of the, uh, the presidents of the higher ed uh, institutions here, 
uh, who sit on our board, Dr. Saragosa, Dr. Jara, Dr. Pollard, and also um, Dr. Whitfield. So I included Dr. Jara there from CCSD or Clark County School District. We are working together to make sure that this talent pipeline that starts in the K through 12 system, as you said, and goes all the way through the post-secondary system to higher education, that it's aligned to the needs of businesses. And so uh, how important is it to you from your perspective that everything we do, everything we build at the university level, the community colleges, but more even importantly, the K through 12 system, that it's built to really the needs of an evolving economy and it's built to the specs of what employers need yeah well first of all congratulations to you and your team for the work that you've done i think it's been almost 10 years since you and i started having these conversations certainly a good seven or eight years and it's nice to see how far you've come in serving business and and i think that the nevada system of higher education is in a very similar role we contribute to the state's economy by supporting businesses, whether that's through our research, things that businesses might commercialize or might need um, for their own future growth. We have tremendous research institutions in this state. Um, or it's the development of that talent pipeline to provide the workers that our businesses need. So we really are part of the economic apparatus of our state to ensure that as we go through these ups and downs of recessions, I have lived through more than I care to count um, at my age. and. Um, our state is always the first in and the last out of an economic downturn. And so turning to business as you have, and I think that the way that INSHI does through all of our colleges and universities is really important. We are a part of the economic system here. And I think sometimes people forget that. We think about what college was maybe when we went. I have a liberal arts degree. I study political science and journalism and French. I don't use a lot of French today, um, but the grounding of that education set me up for a career in both government and business. But I think we often overlook those really close connections as a talent pipeline for business. And then of course, probably most important as we serve those businesses, we are the pathway to economic mobility for Nevadans. I grew up poor. My family were farmers and housewives, um, immigrants to this country, and I got a college degree through the Nevada system of higher education, and today I lead that system. That's what's supposed to happen, in my view, in terms of economic mobility for our students, whether they're right out of high school or they're coming in as what we call a non-traditional student, someone over the age of 24. So those two things just have to go together. Economic mobility for students and being a part of the economic answers um, that our, our businesses need here. Dill, um, again, you've had uh, multiple positions in government over the year. It's a nice way of saying I'm very old. <laughs> multiple governors. And, uh, you know, again, you've contributed at different levels. When I met you, uh, I didn't know another guy that had my same title. You were the chief strategy officer for the governor. I was the chief strategy officer here at Workforce Connections. And and we met in D.C. after I had heard about you already, but you were focused on workforce at that time. And since then, we've had many, many, uh, you know, much dialogue and much work we've accomplished trying to move the needle here in that regard. But again, even uh, on your own, whether it be in those different administrations, whether it be in the K through 12 space as the superintendent, you have many accomplishments. Is there one or two that you're especially proud of in those years, legislation, policy, law, sure. or, uh, that you can share with us? And and the second, the follow-up question would be, uh, after you share those accomplishments, uh, what motivates you? What motivates Del Arqueaga to keep going and, and reach those accomplishments? Yeah. Well, thank you for 
um, terming them accomplishments. Sometimes I think I'm just old. Um, I may be Nevada's most renewable resource. I've had so many public jobs. I have been in and out of public life for 37 years. And um, I will, I'll start with this job. Uh, I am the only person in Nevada history to be both superintendent of public instruction to run the K-12 system and acting chancellor or chancellor of the system of higher education. Um, and so for me, again, a farm kid who came from Fallon, whose parents did not speak English as children, um, that for me is um, something that makes me very proud of my state, that my state will invest in a, a, a native son in that way. I'm very honored to have this job, even for the, the, the short time that I will serve as acting chancellor. Um, but if I think back over that career, you know, 30 years ago, I was the deputy secretary of state for elections. And in 1992, um, Nevada experienced a very troubled election. We had a recount of a United States Senate race. We had ballot access issues. We had petition law that was frankly outdated. It had been written during the progressive era in the 19-teens of the last century. <clears throat> and it was, it was really challenging. I worked for Secretary of State Cheryl Lau at that time, and we responded to that challenging election. I was in court for the first time in my life testifying as a bureaucrat about election law. And we responded and went to the legislature with a reform package about ballot access and voter integrity. And as I sit back now at this point in my life and listen to America go through that conversation again, yes. 30 years later, I'm proud of that work. Um, clearly folks still have concerns uh, and I think it's healthy to have those debates. I also trust my elected and election officials, both. Um, and so having been on their side, I know how hard it is to administer an election. And I'm very proud of the work that we did in 92. And then I guess the second thing I would say, um, when I worked for uh, Governor Sandoval, when I was the state superintendent of public instruction, we created what the budget nerds would call categorical budget programs. And we added funding for types of students. So Zoom schools were for English language learner, learners, um, a program called Victory Schools was for students who lived at some level of poverty. We added money for career and technical education and for special education. And I think the work in special education and in the Victory Schools, children in poverty, are are things that I will always be very proud of. Populations that are often left out, um, don't have advocates. Um, I had someone say to me the other day, actually a student at one of our um, campuses, reminded me that I had helped his family when I was superintendent um, with special education challenges. And I have met young people who went to a victory school who received additional resources because of those money, those monies. And I, I think those things, if, if I have to point to something, I'd point there, um, which is my way of answering your question about what motivates me. As I've said, I'm very fortunate. I have led a blessed life to have all the jobs I've had. And I also believe that's what's supposed to happen in America. Uh, you're supposed to be able to reach for whatever job you want and get there um, on an equal or at least equitable footing with others, no matter the color of your skin or your um, ethnicity or the zip code that you grew up in. And um, that ability, which was given to me, my parents taught us how to use today what we would call social capital. Uh, my parents didn't have that word. We called it networking at best. But my parents knew that I needed to get out. I needed to get off the farm. I needed to go to in my case, political dinners, because I was interested in political science. Um, that motivates me. I often say I will stand in classrooms of elementary schools, or now I stand on college campuses, and I look around and think, who, who will be me? 
who here will get what I was able to um, uh, receive from this state as really what I consider a benefit that my state has invested in me. And uh, that drives me um, because sometimes I think um, people, uh, young people aren't going to get what I got. Our system feels to many of them to be wired against their opportunities. And that's really what I want for all of the 105,000 students who are um, in my care in this job today. I want them to have the opportunity that I had. Dale, I'll throw one one more in there um, because in, a, in an era today where there's not a lot of collaboration uh, across the aisle, uh, there was also a, a, a legislative session in Nevada with, where you guys uh, passed the, the most significant uh, K through 12 education reform and, and investment. And, and that was a time again where uh, it could have easily just been again where the two sides, if you will, decide mm -hmm. not to work together, but instead the opposite happened. And so uh, to me, that's one of the legacies of the Sandoval administration when you were there to be able to again work across the aisle and really uh, create significant investment and reform for, for these kids. Thank uh, you. You know, I, I always say I was trained that way. I was trained by great legislators in Nevada history, great elected officials. And I was trained that it was my job to be a public steward, to uh, shepherd resources, financial resources wisely, but also to get work done. And so it breaks my heart when I watch the news today and the job seems to be burn the house down and just stand on my island and throw rocks at you. Like I was not trained that way. I was trained to find an answer that we could all come together and agree on. And so I find it hard uh, to engage in many public uh, discourses today because that's not the goal. The goal today is very different. It's much more politicized than it was. So I'm fortunate that I was trained by great leaders and I have worked for some um, really fine Nevadans um, who expected me to get things done. Uh, and and I, um, I appreciated that. And Dale, we, uh, I know you were talking about your heritage earlier. One of my earlier memories with you, because we've had um, memorable meals, uh, you know, in D.C. over Ethiopian food. And uh, but I remember you took me to a couple of Basque restaurants uh, when when I was in Reno. One was Louis, uh, mm -hmm. and the other one was another place that I don't remember the name, but I know I know there was a bunch of sausages in a in a refrigerator, <laughs> and you could buy some to take home. But so you've always been proud of your heritage and shared it whenever whenever possible. I know that for a fact. Here, um. You know, as we as we return to the new normal and can meet again with people and go to restaurants and whatnot, I wonder how you feel the the higher education system for a long time was functioning, uh, if you will, virtually, mm -hmm. where where kids, where uh, young adults were attending their classes from home via a computer. Uh, there seems to be some movement back to the classes, but do you think that it will be forever now a some kind of a hybrid, a, a new normal, or do you think we will make it back to the way it was pre-pandemic? I think um, that higher education, not just here in Nevada, but everywhere, I, I think we don't have a choice. I think our customer, students, expect both modalities, if you'll allow me to use that word. They are going to want to take courses online, and they're going to want that in-person experience. For many, part of going to college or university is about the dorm experience and being in a lecture hall. Uh, and and for others, they learn better online and they wish to be able to choose that way. So I really have to give Nevada's colleges and universities credit for the way they pivoted during the pandemic. Um, we were not a system that had deep use of digital learning. And all of a sudden, they had to do it. And they did. And they did it well. 
And I, I also recognize that for many faculty, they want their students back with them, and many students want that experience. I do believe, though, that our customer in the future is going to expect both. Um, we have great success with Great Basin College, which is the original community college in Nevada. It was in Elko County, founded in the early 1960s, and they do uh, much of their coursework online because they are remote, um, and they serve rural counties where it's sometimes two, three hours to drive to a campus, and that's not mm. practical. If one lives on a ranch, for example, yes. you're not going to be able to drive in for a night class. And so they've really done, I think, um, uh, the, uh, the leading work in online. But all of our institutions offer it. Sometimes it's for high school students. Sometimes it's for traditional or non-traditional um, older students. And I think it's here to stay. Um, I think we will always have both. Dill, uh, one of the, as Southern Nevada's local workforce development board, our um our, if you will, mantra is people, partnerships, and possibilities. And so I know for you, you've made it very clear already that your work uh, at NCHI is going to be about partnership. And you've already reached out again. We've met with the chambers and the LVGA. What are some ways that you already envision how NCHI and your partners here in this region, including Workforce Connections, can work together to Again, nurture a talent pipeline that meets the needs of businesses over the next few years yeah. and decade. So I think there are probably two things that I would talk about. In the way that you have led the path here in Southern Nevada with co-location and working with the Department of Employment Training Rehabilitation, working with your Chambers of Commerce, sort of that, that one-stop shop at the conference that you and I attended all those years ago in D.C., um, that is natural for your, serving your customer. I think we should partner on the, um, those kinds of possibilities between institutions of higher education and your delivery. Our customer doesn't care. Um, most of it is public money. It's, whether it's either federal dollars or it's a state appropriation, and they don't care where that bucket of money came from. And so shame on us if we care too much about, well, this is my piece of the pie and that is your piece of the pie. I mean, so I think that's a, a partnership that we could be more co-located or more seamless in um, things like many places are piloting where we earn, you can earn credit at your programs for my degrees at in my institutions, and so I think those kinds of partnerships would be would be beneficial to the end user, that person who is interested in getting a certificate or building towards a degree. Again, they don't care where the money came from or whose building they're sitting in or whose computer they're dialing into. Um, that tells you how old I am, I guess, if I talk about dialing in on a computer. Mm -hmm. We don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, we should be able to deliver that in a seamless way. Um, I think that's first. And then second, um, you know this about me. I'm a bit of a data nerd. Um, I like to make evidence-based decisions. I always joke that I, I didn't always make evidence-based decisions in my very long career. Sometimes I guessed. I was asked a question by a secretary of state or a governor or a legislator, and I had to guess what I thought the right answer was. And today we have such ability to build evidence and analyze data. And I'd love to work with your folks and your customers in that regard. I don't want to guess what they need from us. I want to ask them. We have, and within the Nevada system of higher education, a number of research centers and research programs and colleges who that is what they do. They do public opinion research or they do data evaluations and research. I want us to be the sort of evaluation and, and do the math side of things. And, and you hold many of the customers or clients um, to whom 
I think we should put some questions and, and then ask how their system should be built because it's their system. It's not mine. I'm here for a very temporary basis. Um, it's not yours. Um, you're here for a lot longer than I, but it, it's theirs. And so, golly, we should go ask them um, how they'd like it to be run, I think. Uh, so I think research and that co-location seamlessness would be um, a great place to start for us. Well, count us in, Dale. Check and check on those two <laughs> things. Uh, you know that we're committed to partnering with you on, uh, while you're at the Helmet and Sheet to make things better. Yeah. One of the things I've learned working with you uh, is that it's always about the people we serve. I, I remember, you know, um, I'll have to give the clean version, but it was like, you know, we bureaucrats should always, you know, uh, make it about the people, and that's it, you know. And so I, I agree with you. I think everything we do should be on how do we make the, the services more accessible, uh, how do we um, factor in for, again, we all come from different places. We might speak different languages. We have different, uh, if you will, upbringings. And so, and now, uh, as we were talking the other day, too, there is these other elements of trauma that have come with just these past two years that we have to factor in for the people we're trying to reach and serve. So in the final uh, section of, of our podcast, Dill, we always reserve a moment for final thoughts for you. And also uh, sometimes people are, have a survey or a new, uh, you know, a new program and we put it on the bottom of the screen if there's a link to something. But if there's something I, again, know it's going to happen during your tenure uh, with Enchi, as you just said, is transparency. If somebody wants to work with Enchi, they just got to reach out. And I know right. uh, what would be the best way, as you say, you know, your, share your final thoughts for people, a partner, whoever that might be, a community partner. Uh, how do they connect with Enchi? Sure. So um, I guess I want to say two things um, as my final thoughts. Um, I was them twos and threes, uh, never singles. So first of all, um, you can email me at chancellor at inchi.nevada.edu. Um, that way you don't have to try and spell my last name. So feel free. Um, I'll If I don't know the answer, I'll find the person who does. Um, but I also want to say, remember, I work for an elected board. The Board of Regents governs the system and they have begun an examination, both of the roles and responsibilities of the chancellor. What did they expect from their next hire when I am done being acting chancellor? That will be a public process. Uh, there will be meetings about what does the board expect and what do our stakeholders expect from their chancellor? And then the board will launch a search of some kind, probably in early 2023. And, and I hope people will engage with that. Um, you mentioned trauma. Our board has pressed us already for answers to mental health challenges for our faculty, staff, and students. So I think we're going to talk about that more uh, as we get ready for the legislative session. And, and, and I just can't stress that enough. These folks are your elected officials, and they are all on our website. They all have email, just like mine. And they will be leading this process um, both to find a permanent chancellor and to steer the system through the legislative session, and then to implement as we enter this academic year and we prepare um, for those future academic years. So um, we are online, we all have email, um, and, and I encourage people, don't just complain about what you've heard about my bosses or what you've heard about prior chancellors or what experience you had 10 years ago at one of our institutions. Email us, come to a public meeting. Uh, this is a public body. And um, I think you will find that this board takes its role very seriously um, as public um, servants. And uh, certainly I can tell you that the staff does as well. So I look forward to that kind of engagement. And, and again, knowing you, Dell, I can share with our listeners and our viewers that if they email 
you, you're going to answer. Yeah. So uh, we're going to make sure we put that information here on the screen Great. as we say our goodbyes. Thank you, my friend. For um, I'm glad you're not done giving to our state yet. You keep giving. So I appreciate that we have Thanks. another opportunity to work together. Thank you. Same here. Thank appreciate you, you very much. Here. Thank Thanks. you, Dale. And that's it for another episode of the WC Podcast. We hope you join us at another one. Until then, stay safe.